0: Hey, good morning. We're glad you're here. So thankful that you could join us online, and uh, we hope that you found the link. Obviously, uh, we're having some trouble with the online platform. It's not uh, streaming well. It's overwhelmed, we think. Uh, So we'll be on Vimeo this weekend, and maybe next Sunday we'll have both links working. We want to just clue you into a few things that are going on and uh, help you understand how the church is going to operate over the next several weeks. Um, If the stream that you're watching gets stuck or seems to hiccup, the best thing for you to do is just look for this little symbol up near your browser. It's a refresh or reload button. Just click that and it should re-engage and it will probably catch up. We upped our internet streaming capability from here at the building and we hope that it's enough for you and that we can all be connected through this time. A couple things we want you to know as well. Most of our groups and classes, they're meeting and they're gathering via video conferencing. We had a class that met this morning at 9. We had groups that met through the week. Our prayer team met this morning before church so that they could uh, take our prayer requests and keep everybody connected through these means. And so if you want to join in, if you're not a part of a group... If you're not a part of a class, if you would love to be a part of our prayer team, if you're not sure how you want to be connected, but you're feeling a little isolated, a little lonely, then we would love for you to find a way to connect. The best way to do that is just email us at info at and, uh and just express your desire there, whether you want to join a class or a, a ladies Bible study. Our men's groups, they're meeting on Saturdays via video conferencing. And so we want you to stay connected so that you don't feel isolated, okay? also if you want to get our emails all you need to do is in your inbox is just drop an email to that same email address and just let Debbie know that you want to be connected to our e-news or just say send me all the emails that would be great so we want to be sure that during this time strange and difficult time that you are not left alone and to help us do that we need to stay connected with you via these means whether it's email Facebook texting or through this type of streaming service. So we hope that you will do that. Uh, We don't want you to feel alone. We want you to know that we're in this with you. So we're getting ready to worship. We're going to jump in in just a moment, but let me share this scripture with you and give you a glimpse of kind of where we're headed today. Here it is, Psalm 100, just a couple of verses. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. I don't know how that hits you. To be called a, a sheep but my hope is that you will feel covered that you will feel like god is in control and we belong to him and so here's what we're going to do today enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name So let's pray lord we ask in this moment that you would inhabit these places Lord, normally we're here under one roof, even a couple services, but we're all usually at this address, gathering and together, able to see each other face to face. But Lord, we believe that you're present in in a thousand different worship centers all across the country and, and even some across the world, that you are connecting us, bridging technology, that your spirit knows no bounds, that we are one body, even though we find ourselves in different locations. Lord, we're grateful for that, that you're omnipresent, and that as we lift our praises together, they, even though we find ourselves in different places, they come to you with one voice, one church. So, Lord, as we worship you, we declare the greatness of your name. In the powerful name of Jesus, we say together, amen.
1: Amen. You know, wherever we are today, whatever it looks like, um, we're thankful for technology that we can still get to do this together. If you're watching online, if you're able to, you know, in this next 45, 15 minutes, if you're able to kind of close or shut everything down for a bit and kind of focus our attention on Jesus, we just want to worship him in the midst of this uncertainty because he is grateful, he is good, he's an amazing God. Let's sing together.
2: And oh, how high would I climb mountains If the mountains were where you are And oh, how far would scale the valleys if you grace the other side And oh, how long have I chased rivers From lowly seas to where they rise Against a rush of grace descending From the source of its supply Cause in the island's and the heartache you neither more or less inclined I would search and stop at nothing But you're just not valley hill called Calvary but for the one I call Good Shepherd who like a lamb was slain for me or for you and me and I will praise you on the mountain and I will praise you in the mountains in my way you were the son feet so I will praise you in the valleys all the same, you're no less God within the shadows, you're no less faithful when the night leads me astray, you're the heaven where my heart is, in the highlands, in the heartache all the same. If ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the shadows my song of ascent. Whatever I walk through, wherever I am, your name can move mountains wherever I stand. And if ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the shadows my song of a sin, you're my song of a sin, oh, oh, oh. my song, my song of a sin. in the shadows the veil was torn
0: through Calvary.
2: We believe in breaks. We believe in way, for he is alive and he say
1: out recently, uh, it's called The Blessing, and it comes straight from scriptures, uh, most of it from numbers, actually. Uh, I know most of you don't know it today, so I kind of want to take this as uh, the Lord singing over us today, collectively, no matter where we sit or stand, or at home, the Lord would bless you and he would keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you Let's sing this together the
2: lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face to with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, and your going, and your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. 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 He is for you.
1: and as your word promises us that you would go before us. God, with you nothing is impossible and in the midst of this uncertainty today we just rest in you, God. We rest in your arms. We rest in your embrace. Lord, we acknowledge who you are and who your word says you are and your promises are true. How we love you. And we trust you. Our faith is in you. Faith that you gave us, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Josh. Uh, The team that is helping pull things together, mostly staff, a few volunteers over the last several weeks. We're very grateful for those who have given their time and energy to pull this off and make it happen. And Josh has done a ton of work, and Debbie and Cindy and Diana and many others. And so the hardest thing for me about us not meeting together or being face-to-face in this room is all the things that have happened and developed over the last several weeks, the question I'd love to ask you and love to hear from you. I'd love to know how you're doing. I'd love to know what's stressing you or where your anxiety is coming from. I'd love to know how your family is faring in these uh, weird and strange times now that you're spending much more time together than you're used to. I'd love to know uh, what are your hopes and dreams and fears as you watch the headlines change every day. But we can't do that in this way. In fact, probably the only place we can gather right now is the grocery store. Um, since the coffee shops are shut down and restaurants are shut down. In fact, when I was at the store yesterday, I ran into a few Castle Oaks people, and these are the questions that I'm curious about. How are you doing? And I would want to know the very same thing for you. But you should know that there are many people praying for you, that there are a lot of people very concerned about you, and we're trying to connect, as we said, at the top of the service, uh, in as many ways as we possibly can. A lot has changed when we began this series called The Road. It's a Lent series. I heard somebody say the other day that they've given up more for Lent than they had planned on giving up. And maybe that's true for you too. We're giving up all kinds of things. They they are forced upon us and some of us are making the choices to do so, but this is a very different Lent season. When things began to get bad in the U.S., I wondered, well, surely we'll meet for Easter. Surely we will gather for Easter. And now it looks like if that's an impossibility and so in my mind in my imagination i've wondered about the next time we gather and what that will be like and uh almost through tears just imagine the the moments of us getting face to face together again and so i long for that and i want that and that will come uh in god's good timing and so until then we'll do it this way we'll share and we'll engage in this the the road that we're on the series of course is a little longer than we anticipated. We began this series with this verse to give us some framework. As the time approached in Luke 9, as the time approached for Him, that's Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely, uh, determinedly, He set His face like a flint toward Jerusalem. And from this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus begins to make a journey from the north Uh, area of the Holy Land up above Galilee, all the way down around Samaria, and eventually to Jerusalem. This is where, of course, He will meet His fate at the cross. And this is an important part of Luke. It's an important part of all the Gospels, but we wanted to walk this road that Jesus walks together. And I think, well, we had no idea what would be occurring across our country and across the world when we uh, picked this journey, when we picked this road for us to walk on, Uh, But, of course, the things that Jesus talks about as he goes down this road apply to us and what we're experiencing right now. Uh, Unfortunately, some of the things that we're dealing with, Jesus addresses directly and clearly. And so we can tell that this journey, wherever we're headed, it's going to take a little longer than we thought. The question we asked at the beginning of the series was, where are you going? Where are you headed? It's a great question. I bet you wish you knew. I bet you wish you knew, is it, how long is the journey going to be, and, and what's the destination like, how long will it last, and how long will things be changing daily, and as we watch this unfold, we long to be together and share it together, and so is it the journey, is it the destination, well, it's, it's both, but as Jesus and his disciples went down this path all the way down to Jerusalem, for them, of course, it was about the destination of the cross. But along the way, for Jesus, it was all about the journey. And so in the very next chapter, Luke chapter 10, we find the disciples making a stop along the way of their journey. Here's what happens. As Jesus and his disciples, as they were on their way, they're on their way eventually to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. Now, this story that's about to unfold over the next few verses, it's only in the Gospel of Luke. And you might know Martha. We get to know this family through the Gospels. Martha, eventually Mary, and there's a brother named Lazarus. And they're good friends with Jesus, and they spend time together. So it's no surprise that Martha would open her home. In fact, this would be a Jewish requirement that they would show hospitality. But the relationship that Jesus has with this family is is comfortable. In fact, the dialogues that they're having throughout the Gospels, the few times that they are gathered together, It seems like Jesus isn't necessarily a rabbi, more of a friend, but of course they know him as Lord and Savior as well. They're friends of Jesus and they're on the way. Now Martha, she appears to be in charge of the households, probably the oldest of siblings. Luke then tells us this, she had a sister called Mary. Mary and Martha together. Mary was probably the younger sister. And as she is there, she shows up in the stories. We said the brother is Lazarus. Martha welcomes them in, and Mary sits listening at the Lord's feet to everything that Jesus has to say. Now, just a quick note, and this is important. Luke does this on purpose. He says that Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. That detail, don't let it be lost on you. This is a clear indicator in the gospel of Luke that Mary was a disciple. I know no, she wasn't one of the 12. They lived in a patriarchal society, and all the disciples listed in the Gospels were men, but this is Luke's way, and he does this all throughout the Gospel, of elevating women to their appropriate and proper role. Paul would say it later. There is no Jew nor Greek, nor male nor female. Everybody in the kingdom, and even in this earthly kingdom as well, they should have equality. And when Luke says this, he is clearly saying that Mary and Martha, and Lazarus too, probably, would all be considered disciples of Jesus. And Luke does this every chance he gets with women. Mary, sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. And then Luke says this, that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, of course, there were huge things that had to get done for this meal to take place. Normally in their home, there's probably two or maybe three people if Lazarus' home that are eating and partaking in the meal, maybe a few more if they have guests, but now they have 12 dudes that have uh, ransacked their house, and now they're ready to feed 13, 14, maybe 15 people. It's a big deal. I mean, this is a banquet in terms of their own home and their own setting. And so they're offering hospitality, and they're getting ready to feed, all of them, And she's distracted. Of course she is. It's a patriarchal society. To make the meal and get ready for the meal, it's going to be left to Martha and Mary. I mean, James and John aren't going to be cooking. James and John are not going to even be cleaning up. Thaddeus and the rest of them, they're going to leave it to these women. So of course she is distracted. Now, just hit pause a minute. You've been together as a family a lot more over the last week or two and more in weeks to come. I bet your family is a lot like this family i wonder who in your family is distracted by preparations you probably have in your family sitters people who like to sit just like mary and you probably have workers preparers those who walk into the kitchen and they see a mess and they get busy with it those who walk into the kitchen and see the ice cream and start eating it so Who in your family is like that and before you point fingers the better question to ask is how are you contributing to life in your family is everybody helping martha was distracted though and when luke says this and includes this detail it's not a positive thing that she was busy In fact, this word distracted is pretty puzzling to most people who try to translate it from the Greek into our English language. And so if you read the various translations that are available, distracted is one word, but there's a bunch of other words that translation use. They use words like worried and upset and busy, which sound very different than distracted. In fact, the King James uses my favorite word, cumbered. You ever feel cumbered? You ever feel cumbered? You're carrying something along with you? This word is so incredible. It's so multifaceted and varied. Here's what it means. Here's the, the wordy definition. She was distracted, which means she was driven about mentally. She was overoccupied, over-busy. The reason why cumbered is one of the words. She was carrying around many things. Does this describe you? Is this who you are these days? I wonder what you're carrying around. Up until about two weeks ago, whenever we would interact with families or moms and dads here at the church, in the lobby, in various places, even out in public where we see each other often in coffee shops and restaurants, if we asked each other, how are you doing? How's life going? What's happening in your family? The most common response that I would get from people would be simply this one. We're just really busy. We're just really busy now I wonder if that's the same answer you would give today maybe things have turned maybe you wish you were busier or maybe you're just busy with different things now look, I know that during this this unpredictable time in our country there are some incredibly tragic needs that need to be addressed and and many are being addressed at many different levels whether it's healthcare, food issues, insecurities, and a thousand different ways. And we'll, we'll address those. In fact, that's what next week is all about. So I hope you jump back online and watch. But let's talk about the need that is right before us today that you are facing right now as a family or as an individual, whether it's isolation or loneliness, or you wish you were isolated, you wish you were lonely, but your families find themselves at each other's throat as you go through new time schedules and new patterns of life with your family together. When busyness is being set aside, all kinds of problems begin to show up in our lives, in our relationships in a a hundred different ways. We would right now in this season find ourselves either watching basketball, preparing for a baseball season, wrapping up winter sports, whatever it is. We'd be going a thousand different directions, maybe swimming lessons, maybe other kinds of lessons. In fact, your calendar If you've updated it over the last two weeks probably looks incredibly different than it did before this started listen close busyness can cover a multitude of sins busyness can cover all kinds of issues that will show up relationally when you find yourselves living in close proximity to people that you love that you call family and yet you find yourselves living in obvious declaration of habits that you had never noticed idiosyncrasies that you just wish weren't there and maybe they're yours or maybe there's somebody in your family and you find yourself trying to go after a corner in the house where you don't have to deal with the closeness anymore in scripture in the greek in the new testament there are two words for time Uh, one is chronos chronos and it refers to time that clicks away when you're sitting in your house and everything is quiet maybe you hear one of your clocks ticking away that's chronos it's as the seconds go by as the minutes go by as the hours go by as the day goes by it's a counting word but there's another word in our new testament for time and it's kairos and kairos has to do with opportunity it isn't about the moments it's about the life in the moments in fact, the word kairos means that there is an opportune moment for something to occur in your life that otherwise would never happen. And so where we find ourselves right now is in a kairos moment. There's a culture, a society, your family, the people that you're close to, the people that you are on the road with on a journey. You're in a kairos moment when the boys our two boys when they were 7 and 9 i had a sabbatical from work from the ministry i was serving at the time so we had 8 weeks off and we planned some time we planned a trip we planned some journeys we planned some destinations and so we decided from indiana we would take a cross country trip and so we loaded up our minivan we loaded it up with all kinds of things food and clothes and couple little screens they could watch when things got unbearable, and we decided to make our way. Well, eventually, the destination was San Diego, but we had many destinations along the way. But it was all about the journey. Now, to be honest, I was pretty anxious about the whole thing. I mean, for a dad, and most dads won't admit this, but I loved having an office I could go to that didn't have little people running around making their messes, where there were adults that did what I said, where there were adult relationships that had their normal boundaries, or I could walk into my office anytime I wanted and just shut the door and be completely alone and isolated. At home, life was different. At home, life was chaotic and messy and full of all kinds of unmet expectations and people that didn't do what I said when I said to do it. And of course, that didn't just include the boys. Donna and I were trying to figure out how we decided to manage life with these two young kids and how do we mesh two parenting lifestyles so the idea of eight weeks away from the office while exciting and incredible what an amazing opportunity made all of us a little bit anxious because our normal was being upended it's the same thing that's happening to you here's what we noticed over the first eight weeks these eight weeks of the sabbatical donna and i Well, we could manage two different parenting styles maybe, especially when I'm out of the house for eight hours a day, but now we had to mesh two parenting styles, and the differences could not be avoided or overlooked or swept under the rug. After a week in the car with a couple of instances with our boys and and their behavior, at one point I remember looking up in the rearview mirror and thinking, I'm not even sure I like these guys now i had to face that as a dad as a husband and over those eight weeks well what i said before is true busyness calendars schedules going a thousand different directions busyness can cover a multitude of sins or flaws or relational shortcomings what you're experiencing right now is a kairos moment you won't be saying we're just really busy You will be saying after a few weeks, I wish I were busier or I wish I had more space or I wish I had a quiet corner I could retreat to, but don't do it. When you have game night at your house, some of you have broken out games that you haven't seen in months. When you have somebody's competitiveness show up, somebody's wiliness, somebody's ego in the middle of a discussion, all of a sudden some things get to address, to be addressed that have never been dealt with. And so take time, thoughtful time, prayer, engage, conversations, and relationships. You have a kairos moment. Same thing our family did over eight weeks, 5,000 miles being cooped up in a little tin can driving down the highway. And my hope is that your family, while it will be more difficult, while your relationships may find friction that you never knew existed, my hope is that things will become richer and better in the long term and so Martha is distracted making preparations and eventually this distraction gets the best of her and she has a reaction here's what she says she came to Jesus and she said in front of Mary and everything is happening there Martha says Lord don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself tell her tell her to help me And this is what's going to happen in your families and in the circumstances that you find yourselves in socially and relationally. And this is a great indicator of Martha's issues, her dysfunction. When she finds herself not getting what she wants or not having everyone else participate in her life in the moment, when she finds herself shouldering a burden that she believes should be shouldered by everyone present or at least her sister, she says to Jesus, who she knows is Lord and Savior, Look, here's the deal. Put me in charge. It seems like you don't care at all that things are going down this way. Look, I, I know I know you're having fun with Mar- Mary and you're talking and she's listening, but I know what's best. I can handle it. Look, God, maybe you thought this this week. Over the last two weeks as you read headlines and pay attention to what's occurring in the culture, the government, the health system, God, it seems like you don't know what you're doing. I think I can handle this. I think I could handle it better than you. And so just put me in charge, and I bet things will get better. I could at least navigate this crisis a little better, whether the crisis is the, the larger national global one or the one that's just in the middle of your kitchen. And what happens with Martha is this symptom shows up. Lord, don't you care? Put me in charge. I need to be in charge. Jesus hears this symptom come out of Martha's mouth, and then he begins to diagnose exactly what's going on, and here's what he says. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now just take a moment, just pause for a second, and ask this question, is this a a phrase or a statement that describes you and your heart, your mind, what's going on with you in your life or maybe in members of your family or friends that you know, co-workers who are fearful about the future? Are you anxious and troubled about many things? Is that you? Well, this is what Martha is like in this moment, and Jesus calls it out. Anxious and troubled, about many things well my therapist or your therapist or psychologist today they have a name for this it's called generalized anxiety and of course it doesn't need a lot of explanation but they give us some good definitions to it the mental health experts say this This is a lot of words so just take it slow okay you'll see it on the screen generalized anxiety is characterized now you can just make a little mental list if you want and just check these off if this is you Generalized anxiety is characterized by persistent and excessive worry about a number of different things. People with generalized anxiety may anticipate disaster. How many of you have been watching the graphs of the cases or the deaths, whether it's been Italy, across the country, or even in the U.S., and you're anticipating where those graphs are headed? You are watching the numbers and you're doing the math. Many of us are doing the same thing. They anticipate disaster and may be overly concerned about, here's a little list for you, money, check, that's me, health, of course, absolutely, family, work, other issues, yes, yes, yes. These individuals find it difficult to control their worry. In other words, it's the 3 a.m. moment when you wake up and these things begin to check off in your mind. These are the things I'm concerned about, generalized anxiety. Now, now some of us work through this in conversations with people that we know, people that we love. We talk about it at dinner. We express these anxieties, these worries, and we're able to kind of find some new homeostasis or place where we can allow these worries to just ebb away from our minds and we find peace. But many of us need the help of someone else that can come alongside us they can give us tools that will allow these anxious moments to find their way into the background so that we can operate and do our life. We're seeing spikes of anxiety and generalized anxiety across our country. And since we can't do this face-to-face, since we can't have a conversation in the lobby and have some moments together where we can kind of point you in the right direction or maybe even help each other assess how worried or anxious we are. Here's what I want to do. We have an incredible number of people in our church that are therapists and folks that we know that help folks deal with generalized anxiety, best described by that statement. And we want you to know that you're not alone, that we can help you get to a place where somebody can give you the tools that you need to deal with your anxiety so that you can move forward. So that you can be the mom or the dad or the teenager or the kid or the college student that you know God's called you to be. And so if you're stuck, if you're not sure, drop us an email. We'll get you connected to somebody then help you find the way. Don't stay isolated. Don't, don't decide that, that now is not the time to do that. We have therapists in our church that are doing uh, video conferencing and, and telehealth issues. We would love to help you find your way. So don't stay stuck. If you are anxious and troubled about many things, then there's help for you and there's hope. And some of it is through conversations and learning and reading Scripture. In fact, Jesus knows this, and this is all through Scripture as well. If you deal with anxiety, Scripture speaks to it over and over and over again. In fact, there are many scriptures that will guide you down the path of helping you understand what to do with your anxiety and your worry. And in fact, some of it is right there in Jesus' response to Martha. He says, after she says, don't you care, tell her to help me, then Jesus gives a response to her that helps her find a way. Now, before we give you that, at the end of the message, let me help you understand what's happening in this moment. Remember, this is the symptom, control. Pride shows up. I want to be in control. In this setting, all the disciples are present. And one of the disciples that's there, well, his name is Peter, and Peter knows a little bit about what it means to have control issues or maybe have pride sneak up. It would be later in a letter that Peter would write these words that may help you deal with your anxiety a bit today. Here's what Peter says. Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then he says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. First Peter 5, two verses. In fact, what you could do this week is just decide you're going to write this down on a, on a note card or a post-it note or maybe make a screenshot of something and put it on your phone so that you see it every time you look at your phone. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, right before this, Peter quotes a passage from Proverbs 3, and it says this, that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so this gives you a key to help you understand where some of your anxiety, some of your worry comes from. Do you remember about Martha? She is greatly distracted about many things, and she believes if Jesus would just... Tell her sister to do what she wants. If God would just put us in charge, that our anxieties would go away. This is the first indicator that those of us, all of us that have control issues, pride sneaks in. This is the driver for anxiety for most of us. That we want what we want. We want it the way we would like it. And so Peter says, if you're going to deal with your anxiety, this is one of the first ways to address it. First, humble yourselves. We approach God with open hands and we say, I don't understand what's going on, but I trust that you're sovereign. I want to be in control, but I'm pretty sure I'd mess it up worse than it is right now. And so, Lord, I trust you. It's difficult to trust the Lord when it feels like the world is coming apart or when it feels like your world is coming apart or like your family can't even get along for five days in the same house. Humility says, Lord, I trust what you're up to and we'll walk down this path together. Humility and surrender. This is the key. And then watch what Peter does. He says, God will lift you up in due time, but then cast your anxiety on him. Almost every good conversation that helps alleviate your anxiety as you first you know unpack it begin to diagnose it and have a a chat with people about the things that you're anxious or worried about it will end up with you coming to the conclusion that you're worried about something that you cannot control and if you're worried about something that you cannot control then of course somebody is in control and that somebody is usually god and in this verse Peter's saying throw it cast it pitch it to him It's as if you're saying, Lord, I have so many things I'm concerned about and worried about, and I can't seem to fix it. I don't know what to do about it. I have no solutions. Everything I do, every lever I pull seems to make it worse, and certainly it isn't getting any better. So I'm going to give it to you. In other words, Lord, I guess this is your problem now. It's above my pay grade. I can't deal with it. I'm setting it aside. In other words, I'm humbling myself before you. So that's Peter's solution. It's a a glimpse into Scripture. And it's just two Scriptures. The Bible is filled with solutions, aids, and helps, paths for you to reduce your anxiety over and over and over again. And then Jesus gives Martha a bit of advice. He says to her, Martha, you're distracted about many things. You're anxious and worried. And then he looks at Martha and Mary's at his feet. And then Jesus says this, back to Luke chapter 10, but only one thing is necessary, only one thing, for Mary has chosen the good part, and this good part, it will not be taken from her. Now, read it again. Let's talk about what it means, but only one thing is necessary. Now, let me be clear. I I don't know what the one thing is. I mean, most pastors or maybe even theologians would say this one thing is necessary. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus, but I don't think Jesus is that naive. Jesus knows that eventually these 12 disciples are going to get hungry and somebody's going to cook a meal and it's not going to cook itself. What one thing is necessary? What is it? Here's what I think Jesus is saying. It's just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. Focus on what is in front of you, Martha. Focus on the thing that is right in front of you and give it your full attention. Give it a chance. Pay attention. Multitasking is a myth. All it does is divide your heart and divide your mind. Martha, you're worried about many things and anxious about many things. You don't need to be. Just give it up and focus on the one thing that is necessary. And Mary found it. We're just chatting. We're together. She's learning from me. I'm learning from her. And here we are in this moment. Focus on the one thing that is necessary. Look, anxiety and worry, it gets a foothold in your life when you believe that you're in control of outcomes. Jesus is saying, that when you leave the outcomes to God, when you allow him to be in charge, when you are surrendered and open to where he's leading you, even if you don't like the journey or the destination, when you do that, anxiety begins to go away. Martha, only one thing is necessary. I think if Jesus was in your home right now, if he was with your family and interacting, I think he would say the same thing. Only one thing is necessary. Just focus on now. Focus on being with the people that you love. Turn off the news. I mean, it's going to be there tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Quit checking Twitter. Just set it aside. Put your phone away. Work will be there when it's there. But your family's in front of you. The people you love are right there. Connect with them and love them. Only one thing is necessary. And when we do this, Jesus gives us this antidote of focusing on what's right in front of us. Anxiety and worry begin to ebb away. We've abandoned outcomes to the only one that control any outcomes, to God the Father. And so this is what we hope to do over the next few weeks And this is how we're praying for you and your families. So let me lead you through this passage one more time. And why don't you just take a moment and allow this to be maybe your guide for the week, your compass, a bit of your true north, and allow these words to reduce your anxiety and your worry. So I'll guide you in a prayer, and then your family can discuss some of the things that have come to mind maybe a bit later today or later in the week. So the first thing Peter says humble yourselves. Lord, we come to you humbled. We believe that you are the one true God and that you're sovereign and that you are in control and that we are not. And so we begin by reminding ourselves of this truth. We push up against it all the time. We attempt to manipulate circumstances or even other people to get what we want. And so, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of that. And we surrender to you completely and fully believing that you are in control, and we abandon ourselves to that control. And we ask that as we do that, you would call to mind circumstances, situations, things in our heart where we're attempting to grab control back. And so we humble ourselves. Lord, we also cast our anxieties on you and you alone and so right now just allow god to remind you of the things that this week have tempted you towards worry or anxiety whether it's your your finances circumstances health and just to give it to him cast it to him and you can even use that phrase lord i guess this is your problem now nothing i can do about it anyway this is your deal So name a couple of things that you have attempted to make your own and has created anxiety in your heart and your life. So Lord, as a church, we come together across a variety of places and homes, some of us watching on a TV or a computer or some of us on a phone, and we ask that your spirit would continue to knit us together, and we ask that you would give us the courage to come with humility before you and as we do that, Lord, our hope and our prayer is that you will allow us to trust you more fully and that we would be able to cast our anxiety upon you. Lord, give us the courage to return to some of these scriptures this week that will drive us more deeply into surrender with you. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. So our hope and prayer is that as you walk this week, that these words will encourage you and enable you to live more open-handedly with God's presence in your life. We hope to see you this week online, sometime, someplace, uh, in a video conference or connecting through text or email. If you have needs, don't hesitate. Don't be isolated. Reach out. We wanna help you through all that we're going through as a country. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.